Once in a while, someone says something wise to us that helps us lead. On today's show, a few wise words that can help you influence better. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 111. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly coaching show to help people be better leaders through improved communications, human relations, and personal productivity. The people side of business, the people side of leadership. Hey, I'm so glad to have you back for another episode of the show. If you are joining for the first time, welcome. I'm so glad to have you with. And today's show is going to be a little different than normal. I have a few words of, a few wise words, not from me, but from people that have been influencers on me during my career and my personal life too, that have helped me to influence people more effectively. And the reason that I've been thinking about this over the last week or so is I've been talking with many members of the community here doing this R&D project on starting to develop the first course for the Coaching for Leaders community. And I've had a great opportunity to talk to, you know, just in this last week, two or three people who uh, have been listening to the show for a while. And some of them I've connected with before, some of them I've been talking with for the first time. And as we've had some of those conversations about uh, being a manager and how to lead effectively, it's inevitably brought up some of my past thoughts and stories and things people have said to me over the years that I'd forgotten about or I've just started or have just been able to implement over the years and, and had forgotten someone had told me at one point. And some of the dialogue's been really helpful. And I thought, gosh, you know, rather than just uh, having this conversation with one or two or three people, wouldn't it be great to share some of these wise words that I've heard over time with the entire community? And so that's what today's episode is, a few stories that uh, have been helpful to me and I hope are helpful to you of wise words I've received in the past. And stick around for the end of the episode too, because I've got some announcements about uh, some new stuff happening specifically on the website and some more resources now available to those of you. And some of you have been asking about that. And so stick around at the end for some more resources on that. So my first story of a wise word that I received from a leader um, comes uh, actually came out of a conversation I had this week with one of our community members who's been listening to the show almost uh, since the beginning. And we were talking about the process of becoming a new manager in particular and just how that how that is a difficult process for a lot of us because being a manager is really different for many of us than whatever last role that we did. You know, a, a lot of the times we, are promoted into the role of being a manager because we did the best job at the last job we had. And yet being a manager is for most of us a very different type of job than whatever we did previously. Yes, you may go to the same place. Yes, you may wear the same uniform. Yes, you may sit in the same office even. But the type of work that many of us are asked to do becomes very, very different the day that we put on that manager hat or give get that manager title. And, and that's where this conversation reminded me of something I was told very early on in my career. And um, our, the community member and I were having some conversation about 
how it's so difficult to kind of learn your style for how you're going to manage and how you're going to lead people that most of us don't have that style when we jump into a management role for the first time. We don't know how we're going to handle a conflict with someone that we supervise. We don't know how we're going to give feedback to someone that needs feedback. We don't know how we're going to handle that performance review. Yes, we get training from our organization, hopefully. Yes, maybe we can go out and read about it. But at the end of the day, when we do it for the first time, it is really, really difficult. And my first job, uh, my first full-time job, one of the things that we had to learn early on, part of my role was a sales position in this first full-time job. There were a number of things I had to do as part of this role. Um, but one of the pieces was sales. And so we were required by organization to learn a series of sales scripts. And, you know, there, there's good uses of sales scripts and there's poor ones. And I actually think our organization did a pretty good job of using sales scripts the right way, which is, you know, learning a foundational process for having a conversation with somebody and then putting it into practice, but also not being too legalistic about it. And so I remember one day very vividly sitting in on uh, my manager's one of my manager's meetings with one of our customers. And part of our development process in this organization was sitting and observing uh, people who were more senior in the organization and watching them uh, utilize the process, the conversations, uh, see how they interacted with customers, see how they utilize the company's uh, systems. And so I remember sitting there one day and watching her have an interaction with a customer. And, uh, and, you know, I was trying to follow along the process and procedure that I knew she was supposed to follow and she had been teaching me. And so uh, I was listening and observing and I noticed that at several points that she would veer off the, you know, the, the script or the kind of the general process that the company would use. Um, she'd always generally come back to it, but she would change things up or she would do something differently, or she would change up something in the moment when someone would interact in a particular way or ask a particular question or a concern came up that was maybe a little bit outside of the norm. And I remember thinking at the end of watching this meeting that it was a, it was, it was interesting for two reasons. One, it absolutely worked. It was it was just a brilliant interaction with this customer, both the customer benefited, she benefited, the organization benefited. I could tell that this customer was really being well served. But I also noticed that she was doing something different than the general kind of the cookie cutter approach that the company had laid out as far as the process and procedure for how to do it. And so we got to the end of the meeting and, and then we had some dialogue, just the two of us afterwards. And she said, well, what did you observe? And so I shared my these two observations. I said, this is really a brilliant interaction. And yet, it was somewhat different than what we've learned and you know the process we've been you know going through in our training and and she said something to me that i thought was really wise after after we had that conversation she said you know part of learning and part of becoming a professional and even part of managing and leading well is that you're going to need to um, learn other people's processes for how to do things so one person's going to give you a process um, and then someone else is going to show you a different way to do it. And then the third person is going to show you another way to do it. And they're all right. They all work for those people. And she said, you know, we're teaching you in the training process right now sort of the best practice. You know, what we think as a company is kind of the standard process and procedure. But you see me doing something a little different. 
That's because I've been doing it for a while. And I have taken bits and pieces from every person that I've worked with, of every person that's mentored me, of every person that has influenced me that I've seen that's done something effective over the years of doing this work. And I've now incorporated that into that kind of standard procedure, and I have made something that's uniquely my own. And that that's how I've created my own process, is I've taken the foundation of what I learned from the company, but then I borrowed this particular piece from this person, and I borrowed this particular piece from this person, I borrowed something else from this other person, and I've now have my own unique way of handling things and doing things that has become my own. So it's still true to the company process, but it's it's what's most comfortable for me, and it's uniquely mine and how I interact. And I remember walking out of that meeting that day thinking, like, that's a great path for my development. To start with something that's foundational, that's uh, that gives me a framework of where to start from, but to go around and to watch and observe others and to notice when people did things well with customers and in interactions with employees that I really loved. And also to notice when there are things that I saw that I didn't like or I didn't care for and to set those things aside. But the things that I really loved and the things that I found that really worked for others, that I could grab that and I could borrow that and I could incorporate that as part of my process. And then I'd inevitably someone in, see someone in another location or another meeting who would do something that I thought was really cool, the way they interacted with that customer, something they said that was really wise or, uh, or they just articulated something in a certain way, which was, which was brilliant. And I take that piece and I'd incorporate it in my own process. And you know what? Within a couple of years, I had my own process for how to interact with customers. And it was uniquely mine. It was based and founded in everything that we had learned in the organization. But it became my unique process. And I was one of the more successful people in the organization in customer service and sales over a couple of years. But it came from diligent learning. And so uh, that lesson, that wise word that I received is to go around be courageous about going and talking to others, finding what works. And then when you find something that works from someone else is to take that and to borrow it and to make it uniquely ours. And And my experience has always been, and I think probably if you go and talk with many people in your organization as well who are doing things effectively is that most of the great things that you see people do and the wonderful, wise things that people uh choices that people make with customers and with colleagues, if you ask them about it, they'll almost always say the same thing because they almost always say the same thing to me when I ask them about it. So I say, where did you get that? And they'll say, you know, I saw someone do this five years ago, or I learned this skill from a manager 10 years ago, and they have done that exact same thing. They've seen things that work and they've incorporated them to make them their own. You know, expertise though, only gets us so far. Uh, there are situations that occur that our expertise isn't necessarily going to get us everywhere that we go, even if we, even if we've spent a lot of time being diligent and learning how to really develop something and 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 tap into our professional development. And I actually think that that's you know the way it should be. I, I don't think any of us can be an expert in everything. I <laughs> I'd go as far as to say I'm not sure any of us are an expert in anything. We all should be continually be students in what we're learning. And I was reminded of that uh, just a few years ago, actually. I had a appointment with a director in a Fortune 500 company, and uh, and 
And I sat down and I was having about, it was about a half hour meeting with uh, her in order to have a conversation about how our organization could help to develop some of her employees. And so, uh, and, and I've had many, many conversations like this over the years. And this particular conversation went a direction that is not uncommon when I have conversations with uh, people who are in you know, leadership roles in organizations is we were talking through what was working with her team, what was not. And we were talking through some of the different options and ways that we could go about helping to develop her team. And as the conversation progressed, it was, uh, I won't go into the details of it for confidentiality, but as the conversation progressed, it was clear that while we were both being polite to each other and professional, that her opinion about what should be done from a training solution was, as far as the process that should be used, was very different from my opinion about the training solution and the process that should be used. And so we very politely and respectfully kind of went around this point for four or five minutes, and she talked about why her methodology she thought was more effective. And um, I was tried to be very respectful and say, you know, I can see your point, and here's my point, and here's why I think this will be most effective for your team. And we went around this for a few minutes, and... After a few minutes, uh, she stopped and she kind of looked up and she said, you know, I hate it when someone comes into my office and tries to tell me, um, teach me or tell me about something to do differently in an area of expertise that I have when they know very little about the thing or the area that they're uh, talking to me about or trying to give me advice on. And she said, you know what? I need to take some of my own advice. She says, I am not an expert on training. Uh, You know a lot more about it than I do. And so even though I think this is the better way to do this, I'm going to trust your expertise. I'm going to trust your wisdom on this. You've been doing this a lot longer than me. And so let's do it your way. And uh, I trust that it will work out really well. And let me tell you, <laughs> I, I almost fell off my chair because I don't normally, I'm used to having more of a dialogue discussion slash maybe even a, a bit of a conflict with, with negotiating that with people. And I was really stunned by her grace and her self-awareness and her willingness to look at things from the, that other perspective of how she would want to be treated if she had a particular expertise in an area, and then how she would then treat others. And I really love that. And I remember walking out of that meeting that day thinking like, when was the last time that I did that? When was the last time that I argued with someone who has a lot more expertise and knowledge in a particular area than I do and thought that I should do it one way just because that was the way I wanted to do it on that particular day or for whatever misguided reason that I thought. And so I thought that was really a really wise thing for her to say. And I think that it, for me at least, has been a reminder that when I'm in situations where uh, I'm having dialogue with someone who has a lot more expertise. Now, this is, of course, assuming that they're credible and they have the right knowledge and expertise. Uh, you know, uh, of course, that goes without saying. 
but that if someone really does have the training expertise, the experience in a particular area, that uh, that I should be trusting of that person. And unless given a reason not to be, that I should trust that knowledge and that experience, and that I shouldn't try to be an expert in everything or maybe anything. You know, Bonnie uh, actually has been a great teacher for me in this way too. You know, I, I think one of the traps that a lot of us fall into who are in management roles, who have the opportunity to lead, who get to influence the world in any way, shape, or form, uh, even as parents, uh, some of us fall in this trap, is we feel like we have the, have the answer to everything. And Bonnie has been a great teacher for me in this because um, she's helped me to realize that uh, over the years, and you know, particularly I remember earlier in our relationship, you know, anytime she would ask me about something or ask my opinion on something that wasn't something I really knew that much about, I would have the tendency to try and um, make something up. <laughs> so I didn't want to say that I didn't know about something, and I didn't even realize I was doing it for a long time. And, and she called me on it a couple of times, and I started to realize, you know, that is something that I do. If If I don't know something about something, I will... Uh, I will. I've on occasion done that, where I'll try to like think through something and try and, you know, think of what the knowledge is that I have, rather than doing what I should do, which is turn to someone else who knows more about that than I do, or turn to research, or turn to a good book, or turn to um, something that would be a much more credible guide in that way. And so uh, I think that that's really wise. Uh, that's really wise advice for all of us is that we should recognize what we're good at what we're effective at, but we should also recognize what we're not good at and be willing to uh, be willing to be led. And uh, that's one of the great things of being a good leader is we have to be willing to also be led. We have to be willing to be followers too. You know, one situation that, speaking of uh, being willing to, to lead and be led, one situation that I think is really uh, difficult for us to step into, and particularly for those of us who've ever stepped into the role of being a new manager, is uh, what to do when we step into those difficult situations or we inherit something that's a difficult situation. And so this brings me to my next story and next uh, wise word that I've received from someone. Uh, one of the most common things that I think many of us struggle with as new managers is we'll inherit a situation that's not the best or we'll have made mistakes all along the way uh, with someone and then we realize we've been making a mistake and, and 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 then we're like gosh what do we do in order to fix that mistake and you know what i think one of the most difficult things of handling a situation in management is Someone has been underperforming for a long period of time, and you pull out their performance reviews for the last three years, and they're all stellar performance reviews because the last person in the role refused or didn't have the courage to give that person feedback on a really serious issue. And I think that's one of the hardest things to inherit. It's also something that I know I've done too, where I've caused that problem myself, where I've been six, nine, 12 months into working with someone and I've realized I should have given them feedback about something or, or there's something has become a difficult situation and I haven't addressed it proactively. What do you do in that situation? 
And, you know, one of the things that I learned, and I wish I could remember who had taught me this phrase, because I'd love to give them credit for it, uh, but I can't, I can't remember anymore. But I, I just thought it was a brilliant, uh, I thought it was a brilliant uh, way to approach these situations, is that um, when you find yourself in that situation, and I think to some extent, we all have been there. And if we haven't been, certainly if we're trying to lead, and if we're in a management position, uh, we're going to be there at some point, if not now, certainly in the future. And so um, one of the really brilliant things I heard is that if when you find yourself in that situation, first of all, of course, we have to make a decision to address the problem. So if there is truly a problem and truly an issue, we have to have that courage to be able to address the problem. But then how do we do it? What do we say to someone who's gotten three years of great performance reviews? And then all of a sudden, we've got to have a conversation with them about how it is that now it's, uh, you know, <laughs> now you're underperforming or this particular thing, you know, I should have been doing all along. And the the language that I heard is that, you know, when that happens, uh, when you're starting that conversation with that person, you've decided that for whatever reason you need to address it, either because the organization has done it before or you haven't done it before as a manager, is to start the conversation by saying, um, I acknowledge that this is something that you haven't received feedback on before. And if it's been you even saying, I acknowledge that I have dropped the ball in giving you feedback in this particular area. And that up up until this point, that it has been okay. And I'm here today because I want to set a new path going forward. And that this point going forward, it is no longer going to be okay. And I found that that approach, when I've had to have that conversation a few times in my career of, you know, it's, I understand this has been fine up till now. And, and so that's what the past is the past going forward. Now there's going to be a new way we're going to handle this. There's going to be a new standard or, or at least uh, I'm going to have I'm going to give you feedback and require you to meet the standard that has been set for the organization from this point going forward. I found that that's been really helpful for me to handle those those situations because it's future looking. It's not rehashing the past. What I should have done before, what the past manager should have done before, what the organization should have done before, the past is the past. How do we now set the right path going forward? And I've also found that when I've had to have those conversations with people, uh, either because I did something ineffective or some a previous manager did, that that conversation goes a lot smoother if we don't spend a lot of time trying to rehash the past. And, and it's also helpful of taking ownership. So either you're going to be taking ownership for your own mistakes or the mistakes of the organization in the past, not through blame, but just taking ownership over it. Um, I had this happen with a, a, a person I took over a, a situation from another manager you know, 10 or 11 years ago. And things were not at the standards they needed to be. And clearly this person hadn't gotten the feedback that they needed to get. And I said, you know, I, I accept responsibility that as an organization, we haven't given you this feedback going forward. Here's the feedback that I'm going to give you. Here's the standard that you need to hit. And that was a lot more productive conversation than it had been if uh, I had either tried to track down that other manager and try to figure out why this hadn't happened or talk to that person about how they'd gotten away with it all that time. That's just a recipe for disaster of rehashing the past. So 
it, and, and I think this is one of the things that we can do, and, and any of us moving into a new leadership role or new position, is spend time watching what's going on for a little while. Uh, that was great advice I got back a while ago, too, is uh, don't, don't walk into a new management role or a new position and start changing things right away. Spend a week or two or a month, depending on the role and the amount of responsibility of just watching what's going on, just talking to people, and then take some ownership of what it is that you need to give feedback on or maybe do it a little bit differently and not rehash the past, but help people to focus on going forward. How can they be most effective? How can the organization be most effective? And how can you be most effective too? And my last story uh, comes from Luke. It's approaching the Halloween holiday here in the States. And for those of you not in the States, this is a holiday every October 31st where the uh, all the children in the country dress up in uh, as goblins and uh, whatever they want to be, you know, animals and and cartoon characters and they go around the neighborhoods of America and they ask for uh, they do trick or treating and they do ask for candy at all the neighbors doors and they come back home with these big, you know, baskets of candy and we live in one of these neighborhoods where I think the adults in the neighborhood get even more excited about Halloween than the kids do, and the kids get pretty excited. So we have all around the neighborhood, there's just about every house has tombstones out front for Halloween and these huge Halloween displays, and there's almost as many people that decorate for Halloween as they do the you know, the Christmas season. There's lights and there's smoke and there's things that jump out of you. It's crazy. And there's this one particular house a couple of blocks up the street that they have set up this giant inflatable black cat. And the cat uh, is illuminated from the inside. It's got little fangs on it. It's got big eyes. And the head moves back and forth uh, when you go by it. And uh, and it's, it's kind of a cool cat. And so Luke loves cats. He has this stuffed cat that he sleeps with every night. And he's a big fan of cats. And so uh, if you ask him what a cat says, he'll go, meow. And so it's super, super cute. So we're going along for our evening walk one night, and we see that 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 cat. And it's this big, giant black cat, and has fangs on it. And so the first time he saw it, he was a little scared of it, and he moaned a little bit. But every night we've gone by since then, we stop, and he waves to the kitty cat, and, he, and you know he goes, he does his meows, and and then he he blows kisses at the cat when we're leaving. And it's just it's really cute. So I was three or four nights ago. We went out, and it was kind of late in the evening already. I think Bonnie was working late, or something happened, and we just didn't have as much time as we normally did. And I was was walking around the neighborhood with Luke, and I said, Luke, we're just going to make this a quick, short walk, and rather than go all the way up the rest of the neighborhood, we're just going to turn here. And so I turned the stroller to the left, which is not the way that you go if you're going to see the street where the black cat is. And as soon as I turned it to the left, all of a sudden I started to hear this, and the pointing of the finger toward the black cat in the street that the black cat was on. And I was like, all right, all right, all right, fine, fine. And I'm thinking like, okay, you can take five minutes. You could use the exercise and go and you know make this little boy's night and go see the black cat. And as we were walking up and we saw the cat and we did the wave and the kissing and the meowing and all that. I was thinking on the way back, you know, that's kind of, it's kind of the trap that a lot of us fall into is, you know, we're thinking about ourselves a lot of the time. I know I am. Gosh, you know, I I think about myself more than I care to or want to admit. I think about what's convenient for me, how much time I have. 
uh, how much, uh, you know, what kind of things I want to do. And sometimes forget about the people that I might be influencing. And once in a while, they'll let you know about it. And they'll <laughs> do something like, woo, woo, woo. hopefully people aren't doing that in meetings to you. But if you listen carefully, people will tell you what it is that they need. And to the extent that you're willing to change directions once in a while, to do something that will make someone's day, that will serve them, ah, I think that's great, great leadership. And the more we can do that, even if it's just once a day, thinking, how can I change direction a little bit today, even for five minutes, that will make someone's day, that will say something kind to somebody, that will empower someone in a way that they maybe haven't been empowered before, but that that is a great use of my time, and that's a wonderful investment in that person. Hey, hope these wise words have been helpful to you as they've been to me as I've heard them over the years. I would love to hear wise words from you too. And so if you have a wise word to share, or you would just like to leave a common question or feedback, the best way to do that is go to coachingforleaders.com slash speak. You can leave a message there. You can also reach me through our listener hotline. That's 94938-LEARN. And email is always good too. Feedback at coachingforleaders.com. And so just a quick reminder here, these, these words of wisdom. So the first one is to take everyone else's, take everyone else's stories, experiences, and make your own unique way of handling situations that are based upon the wisdom of others. Of being willing to admit when you don't know something and being willing to tap into the expertise of others. When we've done something that we shouldn't have done or we haven't given feedback that we should have or we're inheriting a bad situation of think forward, say, hey, be willing to acknowledge we haven't done this right up till now. Maybe even take ownership over it as an individual. I've made a mistake up till now. But going forward, this is the standard that's going to be there. And then, of course, the, rem- the story, the reminder from Luke is being willing to take a different turn once in a while that's going to make someone stay. Hey, if you, if you can use one of those this week, uh, I bet it will help you to influence more effectively, and I'd love to hear about it. So go on to the show notes, join the conversation at coachingforleaders.com slash 111. That'll take you to the show notes for this episode, and a few announcements and some additional resources for those of you to know about, who've been, li- especially those of you who've been listening to the show for a while. Uh, first and foremost, I mentioned on the front end of the show that I've been doing this R&D project to put together the very first course for the Coaching for Leaders community. I've heard from a bunch of you in the last week or two. So thank you for reaching out. And for those of you I've already had conversations with, uh, I've uh, thanked you in person, but thank you again for taking your time to dialogue with me and talk about management and leadership. It's just been a tremendous amount of fun, and I've already gotten so many great ideas. If you would like to help out and you are a relatively new manager, so say you've been a uh, a new manager, let's say in the last two years or so, you know, if it's two and a half or so, that's fine. But if you're a relatively new manager and if you work in an organization that has at least 20 or 25 people, I would love to chat with you for a few minutes. I'm just doing R&D work and 
I'll call you up and we'll ask you a few, I'll ask you a few questions and I'd just love to learn about your experience. And my goal in doing that is to really listen and design something for this community that will be of real value for everybody. So if that is of interest to you, uh, send me an email, feedback at coachingforleaders.com and just put R&D in the subject line and I'll get back to you right away. And thank you in advance if you decide to do that. A couple of resources to let you know about, uh, several of you have asked, and, and in fact, people uh, email me often and say, hey, you know, I'd love to be able to get access to, you know, all of the episodes, and do you have a particular episode or a resource around this particular topic or issue that I'm dealing with? And I'm uh, I'm thrilled to let you know that there's a whole new resource that's now available for you to do this. Um, I mentioned about a month ago that one of the reasons I had changed over the feed for the show, I know that was an inconvenient for some of you because you had to unsubscribe and resubscribe to the show. So I apologize again for that inconvenience, but there's some benefits that have come out of that now. One of them is if you're on a uh, if you use something like iTunes or any of the directories that connect with iTunes, is you now have access to download all of the past episodes. So those a few of you had emailed me about that before, of like, how do I get some of the earlier episodes? Well, they're all on the feed now on iTunes and some of the other audio directories. And so you should be able to go back to previous episodes much easier. Now, there will be a point that the those uh, the directories will queue the amount of episodes I can put up there. So, But for now, they're all there. And so that should be helpful to you. But here, even better, and for this, for sure, is going to continually stay up, is I've now put a list of all the past episodes up on the Coaching for Leaders uh, website. And so the best way to get there is just to go to coachingforleaders.com slash episodes. So coachingforleaders.com slash episodes. And if you go to that link, you are going to see a list of all of the past Coaching for Leader shows when they air, the episode numbers, and most importantly, the titles of those shows. You can actually uh, breeze through that list really fast. You can see everything on one page. And then if you click on one of those links, you can go to that pages, uh, that episode specifically. The audio is embedded there. The show notes are all there. I'm about two-thirds of the way done of populating the list, but the, the majority of episodes are already up there, and then some of the earlier episodes I'm still adding in, so if you see a gap in the list, that's why, so I'm in the process of doing that. But it's far enough along that I wanted to tell you about it and let you know about that for those of you who are looking for that resource. In addition, if you're just looking for resources in general on a particular topic, say, for example, you're looking for advice on starting up a mentoring program, and I've done some episodes on that before, but I've also written some articles and even done some videos on that before. Um, another great way to get value from the website is anytime you go to coachingforleaders.com, on the right-hand side, you'll see a box that says, what's most helpful for you right now? Click below. And there's all the topics of everything I've ever done on the website listed there. And if you click on any of those topics, it'll take you to all the podcasts, uh, videos, articles that I've written on that. So anything that's a resource on the page is there. Uh, you're always welcome to email me too. And many of you have, and I love getting emails, but I wanted to let you know about that because it'll actually get you the information faster. Because oftentimes when I get an email from someone that says something like, hey, have you done anything on storytelling and how to how to tell stories and how to use storytelling and leadership? The first thing I'll do is, I, frankly, I can't remember sometimes. I've, you know, we've 
done so many different episodes now, um, I'll go on the Coaching for Leaders site and I'll click on storytelling. And I'll like, okay, well, oh yeah, so here it is. And I'll even send that link just to that particular tag to people. So that's a great way to uh, get value. So if you if that's interesting to you, go ahead and do that. Um, and then someone else had emailed me recently said, hey, why don't you just have a link for, rather than saying like the, uh, the, um, the phone number and the email address and all that every episode, why don't you just have like one link that people go to and have all that information on a website? And it's one of those times where I was like, yeah, that's like the most obvious thing ever. Why don't I have that? So um, I'm not going to actually do the phone number, email address anymore. I did it today, but I'm going to stop doing that. Instead, I'm going to send, if you do have a comment, question, or feedback for uh, the particular episode or just in general for me that you'd like me to address, all of that's going to be in one place now. All you'll need to do is go to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. You'll see buttons there on being able to reach me a whole bunch of different ways. The phone number, the episode library is all up there. So again, that's coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. So feel free to utilize that as a resource as well. And then one final announcement here before I close it out is I mentioned on uh, an episode, I think it was, let's see, 109 I had done that episode on all of the different tools that I utilize that help me to be more effective in just managing and doing my best work. Uh, and it was episode number 109, seven online tools. One of those tools was a app called Lyft that I use on my iPhone. It's also a web-based app. And I'm actually going to be having the founder of that app on the show here in a couple of weeks. And we're going to talk more about Lyft and not the app specifically, although the app specifically is very cool. And it's actually helped me to be a lot more productive and balanced in the last few weeks since I've started using it. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But we're going to talk about some of the science behind habits human motivation, some of the things that they've discovered in talking to people and working with this vast user base now that they have of how people set habits and what they do. And I think it's going to be a really, really interesting conversation, even if you never use the app specifically of just how we all keep ourselves accountable for the things that are important to us. Uh, here's the thing, though, is part of that conversation, we'd like to get a plan set up on their website. Um, so what a plan is, for those of you who've not ever heard of Lyft or used Lyft, is um, there you can set up plans and then a whole bunch of people can kind of do the same thing. So for example, uh, one of the things that's on my habit list right now is getting up at 5 a.m. and you know getting some things done early in the morning before family stuff. And so that's one of my habits. Well, there's a whole bunch of other people out there that use this app that have that as a habit too. So you know we all kind of can cheer each other on. And so I am curious of if we set up a particular habit or a particular goal for the coaching for leaders community, what you'd be interested in? Would it be something like, you know, getting a certain number of hours of sleep or would it be doing something during the day as far as, you know, movement or exercise, or would it be giving someone positive feedback once a day? I'd be really curious to know of what's a habit you'd like to set up. And we may set up a plan around that. And then we'll talk about that more when we actually get on the show so we can have something very specific for the coaching for leaders community. So if you would like to leave me feedback on that, please do. Again, the way to do that is go to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. And I do want to thank this week some of the folks who had subscribed to my weekly newsletter. A few of you left your names this week, so thank you for those of you who did that. A big thank you to Holly Van Hooten, Kathy Shinto, Ledesma Navor. Judy Mendenhall, Caroline Ray, and Brett Dove, who subscribed to my weekly article this past week. 
I publish a weekly update each week that will give you a booster shot between shows on how to lead better by giving you some actionable advice on improving your communications, how to relate to others, or your productivity. So if you'd like to get that in your inbox each week, just go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. And you get a bonus with that too, instant access to my video and a downloadable guide on the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others. There's gold in that list. And I mentioned on a previous episode, if you've read one of those books and gotten value from it, I'd love to hear about it. So reach out to me and I'd love to hear your story of what you used. Hey, have a great week and I look forward to talking with you on next week's show. Take care, everybody.